0: The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature.
1: Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films. and That is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. Today, we got some fun and exciting things to talk about, but first, as always, I must ask, how are you, Dude Two?
0: I cannot complain, honestly. That's good. Yeah, uh, what, what did I do? Well... My Black p- Widow. Well, Black Widow, yes.
1: Yeah, this is something, this is a collective experience.
0: Yeah, so we each saw it separately, obviously. Um, you saw yeah, it. We don't live in the same state. In, in case that <laughs> wasn't <laughs> clear,
1: <laughs> in case that wasn't clear from the jump,
0: Is this like mo- most of the people, most of my, my close associates uh, are outside of New Jersey. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Joey outsources his friends and family. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like other than
0: like, like, like Feehan and a few other things. Like everything's, everything's out of New Jersey.
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You got friends. That's uh, what I nice. got
0: friends. My girlfriend's out of state. Like It's, it's everything with me.
1: And it's, and you know what? You keep those relationships strong and that's beautiful.
0: I do try. Uh, well, we did see black widow. You saw it on Disney plus. Mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters actually, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll talk a about, bit about my experience in theaters because you know I thought it was interesting because I-, I saw Godzilla vs Kong on the big screen a couple months ago, but that was ar- that was after i had already seen it on HBO Max. So technically speaking, Black Widow is the first new movie, new experience for me that I saw on the big screen. I liked it, but I I've- I think part of what my experience was with it was i wasn't used to seeing like an almost two and a half hour experience on the big screen in a while i felt a little antsy when i was in the theater i'm like okay
1: let's get, let's keep let's get this, let's keep this thing moving guys. <laughs> let's, let's let's get this come on credits we
0: don't our previews we don't need it we, we don't need it come on and i was like I mean, I thought the movie was fine, we'll talk more about that in a bit, but I, that was like my experience with it, seeing in theaters, because we've been so, you, I, Godzilla vs. Kong is a p- pretty lean movie, like without the credits, about yeah. about 100 minutes, so that... It's not bad. It, it's, it's not bad, but like Black Widow, it's like, when you, when all is said and done, I've been sitting in the theater for two and a half hours with
1: previews. Plus credits. Plus,
0: you have to sit through the credits, because it's a Marvel movie. I mean, you should be, be seeing what the people in the credits are and the hard work they do, but... You know, you especially do that with a Marvel movie because of the scenes. And, um, yeah, so I liked it. Um, you know, I thought Florence Pugh and David Harbour were the best parts of the movie by far, but I thought it was fine. I think it was, for me, it was very much middle-of-the-road Marvel. Like, I think there are Marvel movies I like a lot more, but there's also certainly a lot of Marvel movies I don't like quite as much as this one, or even just Marvel shows, um... Mm -hmm. and all that so
1: yeah i thought it was fine yeah that's pretty much it (laughs) i mean i did the the, the, like the whole traditional disney plus thing like and in retrospect was the movie worth 30 bucks probably not but there were a lot of other factors that came into play for me personally that added up to 30 bucks plus i i tend to make that in tips on the regular Mm -hmm. so i i made that money back in like a day so that was nice you recouped your investment (laughs) exactly um so it was i will say you know what the nicest thing was mm. for watching a marvel movie at home like again these people are important and they should be acknowledged but just having to just get through the credits so i can get to the post-credit scene and then move on with my life <laughs> <So>. <laughs> especially like yeah no it is it is a middle-of-the-road movie admittedly like i did, i i agree florence Pugh, david harbour were the best parts. Um sadly, I would say Scarlett Johansson was probably the least interesting of the main family characters, which kind of sucks for her own movie, which I think my main my main takeaway was it felt too little, too late. See, I I didn't get
0: that so much as it felt more like a backdoor pilot than a movie
1: in certain respects. No, I I can see that. It's just I think they should have just made the movie when it was supposed... Like, between Civil War and uh, uh, Infinity War. It just feels like it was... It, like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, there's got to be something about this outside of setting up Florence Pugh, spoiler alert, for the Hawkeye show. Like, I'm hoping that there's some kind of other reason or some, some other thing that's happening that um for, that helps further things along, but it felt more, more like uh, them just going... Okay, we forgot to do this, so here you go. <laughs> and because like the whole plot was set up in the first Avengers movie with some stuff in Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. like all the stuff that Loki said, right? In that in that one scene is essentially what leads to everything that happens in the movie. And so I was, a, I, it, was it was entertaining. Don't get me wrong, like I don't want to bash on the movie entirely because it was entertaining. It's a Marvel movie, but it was it was kind of like, okay, that was fine. Now, now, what's next?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, I think part of like one of my favorite parts of the experience actually was seeing it with my mom, because she loves watching the Marvel movies, and this was for her one of her favorites. And just hearing her react to a movie again is just really fun. <laughs> like, uh, like when like like they they refer like they say like have say like to Taskmaster master like smile or something, and she's like, oh boy, there's there's smiley. Um, And and, then one of my favorite parts uh, was, like, they have, like, Ohio in big letters, and Patty's like, Richard.
1: (laughs) um, The moment moment I saw that, the moment I was like, oh, no. And I know what? But you know what? I give him points, because... That looked like a random street in Ohio. Um, there you go. I guess
0: Resident Ohio expert, uh, dude one, <laughs> Richard.
1: You drive down any street, guaranteed you were probably living next door to Natasha Romanoff.
0: I, did, I also did see, um, I saw it with Dr. Feehan as well. So that was nice too. Um, so mm. it was like, it actually felt like it was like a, a, a semi normal thing. To, I mean, you know, I know, I know you're, you know. People are not, everybody's ready to do that. I wore a mask myself when I was in the theater, but it was nice. It was nice to see a big movie, um, like opening weekend. And what's also crazy, too, is I was looking at the numbers. Um, th- we're recording this on uh, July 11th, and they just put out the, the estimates for Black Widow that it made 80 million opening weekend in theaters, which is the biggest opening for the pandemic the, uh, so far, as far as a, That's a new movie.
1: Is it bad I think Space Jam's going to beat it? <laughs> I think it has I mean, the it has the potential to beat it. Just just from like the nostalgia factor and also like I know we make I know like, you know, people make fun of it, but like I feel like a lot of people are actually kind of hyped for it. So, I feel like cuz I mean, I've said it before, I work at a movie theater. I just never say which one, but what was kind of surprising working this weekend was just how little traffic we had. Oh, really? again you know it's it's a depend it's a pending thing you know some people want to go see a movie right now in theater some people don't so that could easily be a factor also it's available at home for anyone that wants to watch it for that extra fee but it was just like last night i worked from 11am to 12:30 after midnight and i'm still feeling it by the way you'll notice maybe um <laughs> Um, and we were like we had so many show times we were expecting so much traffic and there were literally hours where we had no customers.
0: yeah, because it's interesting because uh, at least in my experience it was a, it was a packed house when I when I went mm-hmm. like not much social distancing going on and like mm-hmm. you know, all like parking lot was full, Um, but <clears> also <throat> on that note too, uh, reportedly, it has made sixty million dollars through the Disney Plus uh, premium, you know, premium access, premier access. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, if you adjust that, it that accounts for two million households. That mm-hmm. so, I think that m- makes it probably the most successful attempt at that so far. Which doesn't surprise me, given that it's a Marvel movie. Like, I know a lot of people were like, okay, let's wait for a Marvel movie to see this like, pr- like premier access kind of thing
1: and. It is just kind of strange, admittedly. I guess for all the times I've worked during a Marvel movie, I've always expected it to be... Even like some of the... Not as like... Like the non-Avengers ones, I guess. You know, Mm -hmm. like the solo movies. Even those ones tend to get really busy. But for some reason, this one... And again, maybe just the time period we're in and the way the access and other areas people have to the movie. It was just kind of surprising to see how little traffic though it was busy, but just to see how often people were just waiting for customers to come in like, okay, what do we do? And then I have to go, clean bitch. <laughs> There's stuff that's dirty. <laughs> clean stuff. Um, though shout out to my coworkers, by the way. Especially the ones that had to work a double yesterday as well. They endured it. They endured it more than me because they were there from nine to 1230. So I I got lucky because I'm a bartender and I don't have to be there till 11 because we're not, we're not serving alcohol that early. That's just dumb. Uh, (laughs) But just going back to the movie, though, it was like, again, it was entertaining. I do want to say that. But um, I think honestly, amongst the, the three, like three that are coming out this year, right? Is that Shang-Chi and Eternals later in the year? Is
0: Spider-Man also coming out this year?
1: I didn't see it. Maybe it is.
0: I gotta, let me double-check that because
1: I, I th- unless they moved it or maybe, I don't know. I just thought it was the three.
0: Um, what's the, what's the new one called No Way Home? Yeah. I'm, let me just double-check that real quick. I, I, it's, it's kind of weird because that was the last one that was in theaters, was, um, was, uh, far far from, from Home, yeah. Um, December 17th, 2021. So this will be a record. Oh, so it's
1: like right on the... Yeah.
0: This will be a record because... Um, but previously, it was like three Marvel movies a year. Now, we had four because of a lot of the pandemic backups. And also, too, I think part of the reception of this movie is that... I think it would have been better received had we not received the, some of the Disney Plus shows first. Like, we, we just had... Like you know, we have WandaVision Division and Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Loki.
1: we and it's all and Loki's almost done. It's got one more episode. Qu-
0: uh, quite frankly, at least in my opinion, I think other than Falcon, Winter Soldier, I think the other two are better than Black Widow.
1: I do like I like the I like the the shows a lot more.
0: Whatever, uh, Black Widow, it's it's out there. But folks, let us know where where how you saw Black Widow. Did you see it in theaters? Did you see it on Disney Plus? What was your experience with with either one? Uh, let us know. We're on Facebook, you know, Instagram, Twitter. But
1: moving along, and that's the show today. Uh, yeah, uh, that's it. It's just a 10, like a fifteen-minute <laughs> Black Widow episode. All right,
0: have a good one, guys. See the double. The real double feature was each of us seeing the same movie.
1: <laughs> right? It's Black Widow twice. Twice. You so didn't see that. Coming. We're just going to repeat the conversation. You didn't see that going.
0: No. um, If you don't mind, I'd like to get a uh, a move on on our our double feature this week, because Black Widow is a big topic, and I don't know if there was anything else that really (laughs) happened that
1: was worth mentioning. Nothing else really mattered about it, just the fact that it happened, I guess.
0: Black Widow happened. So, this week uh, is an interesting one, because with two dudes, one double feature, normally, this is a very normal case, this is like a one... (laughs) almost like kind of like one in like 50 or like two and 20 something like situation
1: this 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 happens very rarely i think this the only exception is this topic actually
0: yeah general like because we we don't we try not to do remakes on this show we try not to have a double feature of a movie and its remake like for example normally we wouldn't tackle something like um uh like the thing from another world and the john carpenter thing normally we wouldn't do something like that However, there are cases where we might find something interesting to talk about with each movie, and we find, if they find that they're pretty unique, you know, we, we think it could be an interesting, make for an interesting double feature. So our first time that we did this was all the way back in episode two, if I'm not mistaken, we did the Invisible Men episode.
1: Episode dose mm-hmm. Invisible Man, and then the Invisible Man. Literally, that was, at the time too, that was probably the newest movie we talked about was the Invisible Man, because that came out in 2020. yeah. That, that might that might still be the newest one because i don't think we've talked about anything that came out i know we're
0: planning on talking about a certain 2021 movie in the future but that won't be for a while um yeah it's down that's the down the road but even so though, far i want to bump yeah, yeah. so far <laughs> invisible man <laughs> <laughs> but this this week um you know we're talking about another universal monster one that like the invisible man does not in certain circles does not get Mentioned as much as like Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, but this one has a ton of sequels and, a, t- and a, a pretty big legacy when you think about it. And that our first film today is the 1932 film,
1: The Mummy. The Mummy. Yeah, there's there's a lot of mummies. It like it's like it's kind of funny how this is just a r- random thought, but it's just kind of funny how anytime they decide to remake one of their own movies like universal the like it seems to be the mummy all the time yeah like uh like dracula technically twice with that prequel whatever thing that luke evans did and then uh the mummy had a, a remake with a whole franchise connected to that and then they tried again and that was that was horrifying and not in the way you want it to be <laughs> Uh yeah maybe we'll mention that one uh, a little
0: later cuz I think we do we do want to bring up some thoughts on that I guess
1: <sighs> but this is this is the originator this is where it all started this one right here yeah
0: so the 1932 mummy you got to under put it in perspective in the 1920s uh they they you know there was the the rediscovery discovery of a you know king tut's you know tomb and all that and that was a major major deal and you know Egyptology and all that stuff was a major deal back in like the 1920s and e- e- even so much as that the uh one of the theaters which is still a theater in, out in, in Los Angeles is like the the Egyptian uh which is very much themed to that like you know the Egyptian like style basically so it was mm-hmm. a big it was a big deal back then is what I'm what I was tr- and I'm trying to say and uh you know, they decided to make this one for a multitude of reasons because partly of, like I said, King Tut. Also, there was another um weird occultist story about like Cagliostro, and that was gonna have Boris Karloff, and that was gonna come out in nineteen thirty two, but then ultimately instead they did the mummy, which was, you know, right off the right off the heels of him doing his landmark iconic performance as the Frankenstein monster. And um, just to give a big idea of how big of a star Karloff was at this point, he's not, like, on the major poster for this movie, he's not credited as Boris Karloff. He is Karloff the Uncanny.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Like, he he was a big deal, big deal kind of guy. And, uh, you know, this movie, it was a modest success when it came out. It had mixed reviews, but it spawned, a franchise like years later, Universal made four other mummy movies, and three of them had Lon Chaney Jr., but they were none of them were Imhotep, by the way. They were all <laughs> like other, I think they were all Karas Just... or whatever. <laughs>
1: Like they found a whole new mummy and then just had it like like that be the focus, basically.
0: And they all feel like the sequels all feel like the same movie. And it feels like it's been a while since I've watched the sequels. It feels like the sequels spend half the movie recapping the last movie, and then the last movie is like <laughs> And they're like, oh yeah, we got we have our own movie. Um, here's the movie. <laughs> so
1: that's that sounds that sounds just like Evil Dead, like how they, they essentially that movie was remade three times right. in its own trilogy. <laughs> but it's still Ash, and he's still fighting the Necronomicon and the Deadites. But, like, there's... This time, it's only one person that went to the cabin with him. Or this time, it's a completely different actor that's playing his, his girlfriend. right? <laughs> and he works at a, a store now, so... <laughs> that's just funny. No,
0: uh, um, that is funny. But the, the mummy... For me, it was one of those where I think when I was getting into Universal Monsters, it was one of the ones I watched the least.
1: Yeah, I I'd seen it once when I was really, really little. Because like I remember Um it was around the time I think this mummy, like the the late like the ninety nine one came out and you know, like Van Helsing, you know, years later, and so they were reissuing a lot of those movies. Like those really cool green uh, DVD I, mm-hmm, sets you I know sl- what I'm talking I am still
0: have I still have mine I I have yeah I, I still have mine yep
1: so obviously that that created an interest and plus my dad's really into those movies like the those older universal movies so I I, I remember watching the mummy but it wasn't it wasn't one that really stuck with me the way like some of the other ones did mm-hmm. and I I I remember, like, one Halloween, I I tried to revisit it later, and I'm pretty sure I stayed for the whole thing, but I I might have been on my phone most of the time, (laughs) admittedly. Like, it sounds rude, but, uh, which it is, um, but it just, it didn't really capture my attention, so this was, it, it really felt like, okay, like, this time we watch it, I'm gonna zero in on this, and I'm gonna try to keep a focus on this, and really, like, soak this movie in, and is it was um it felt like a kind of a new experience a little bit watching it this time oh did
0: it i just I, I'm, yeah because yeah, i was curious because we talked about it briefly after we watched it
1: what's well, what's well, like I'm, I'm really familiar with dracula and and frankenstein bride of frankenstein um invisible man creature from the black lagoon right those are the ones i think i latched onto more. The mummy was just kind of that one where it was just like eh. I think I was just more focused on the newer ones as opposed to the old one, but I wanted to watch the old one and uh it just it didn't it didn't stay the way the other ones did. There are definitely some like iconic things about this movie. Karloff being numero uno example mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And then obviously the famous image of like him in the sarcophagus yeah which is is such a weird thing to think about how that image is so iconic that whenever anyone like tries to dress up on halloween as the mummy they wrap themselves up in like uh a wrapping or toilet paper or some uh, some kind of nonsense but it's like he's only that for that scene it, it actually
0: makes me think of like the bride of frankenstein where she's such an iconic monster but she only appears briefly in her own movie
1: uh, Exactly. But that's
0: also a testament to like the performance, but also uh, the work of Jack Pierce. I don't know if we've, we've talked about Jack Pierce too much on this show, but um, we talked a little bit probably in the Bride of Frankenstein episode, but legendary makeup artist. Um, you know, Frankenstein monster, uh, the mummy. Uh, if you've ever seen the Conrad Veid, uh the man who laughs, he did that makeup. And of course, uh, you know, my favorite probably of his probably being the wolfman, but it's actually really crazy to look at the amount of detail that's in that makeup. It, it literally does look like a dried up like corpse in, when he's in that yeah. movie. And the, I I think one of my favorite shots in the whole movie is where you see like I think like the scrolls or whatever, and you see Karloff's hand enter enter the frame and it has so many oh at the beginning yeah, yeah. It has so many wrinkles and so much there's it really just adds a lot to that um to that character and just really just the creepy atmosphere in, in certain instances.
1: I also like speaking of hands, just when like his hand is going down when he's like waking up after the the passages are read and you just see like the one bandage kind of falling. And you know, Karloff knows how to use his hands. Yeah when he's doing a movie like he very much does and to the point where like they like it seems like in every movie they try to show so much that the wrist gets involved so like when when you see the wrist it just made me think like oh in frankenstein his jacket seemed like it was kind of short because his hands were like 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 you you saw the whole wrist and everything because he again he just knows how to use everything on that part of his body to really great effect
0: he's a terrific i mean karloff is really a terrific actor i mean because i know it's because people think about like, there's all the makeups and stuff, but like he knows how to play in those makeups too. Um because
1: there's still a person in those makeups, guys.
0: And also too, just like even when he's Ardeth Bay, because like he's he's really Imhotep. you know. He's trying he's this, this yeah. priest guy trying to resurrect his, this the princess. Uh, but he's Ardith Bay in the modern day. And the makeup on that is really cool too, because you're like you're he's it's kind of unsettling because it's kind of like he s- feels like he's in between like a dead body, but also like a, a living person, and mm-hmm. um, one of the other things I have to bring note of is the director of this movie, Carl Freund, who is very much a very famous German cinematographer. Metropolis, The Last Laugh, um, Dracula—like a lot of the memorable stuff in Dracula—I don't even know if I would attribute to Todd Browning. It probably was Carl Freund. <laughs> like not to t- <laughs> and, not to take he, credit he, away from he, Todd Browning, he, but like. I especially think about the eyes of Dracula. Like, there's so many shots where the eyes are glowing in Dracula, but also like we talk about the shot every time it pops up where you, where we see like um, Karloff's eyes glow in this movie,
1: mm-hmm. and it, it it happens a lot. Yeah, it was it, it was clearly the one shot I think he liked the most. Um, but it's a great shot, so I don't blame him.
0: It's 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 really it really adds a lot of value um value to the movie. But speaking of that. This movie has a lot of similarities with Dracula. Like it
1: it does. It's it's in a lot of <laughs> ways
0: it's the Egyptian like remake, you know, because yeah. you have an undead um undead creature, you know, whose tr- uh, whose plan partially involves you know kind of bringing somebody to the undead basically um you know and then you and even it goes to like cast members because uh uh Edward Van Sloan who played Van Van Helsing Helsing, is also in this movie as a similar character. And just a few (laughs) months earlier, he was with Karloff as Dr. Valtman, who's basically just another (laughs) Van Helsing character.
1: And he's, I like how the difference, the, the different, um, the way, the way to differentiate between Van Helsing and the character and the mummy is he doesn't have glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, see, no, 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 that's not Van Helsing. What do you mean? He doesn't have glasses. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's I didn't realize that.
0: <laughs> but like like Edward Van Sloan, he's one of those people who says exposition so well. Like I I always he's one of those guys where I when he's on screen I listen I think about in Dracula when he's having like confrontations with with Bela Lugosi, and it's he's what he's a really good actor who can really hold his own with somebody who has that much star power and that much you know raw charisma. Also, um, mm-hmm. continuing the Dracula. um parallels david manners is in this movie as the young romantic lead he was jonathan harker in the 1931 dracula and he's also basically a similar-ish role in this film
1: <laughs> and i just i can't any anytime i think of him now i can't help but think of and it's only because we joke about the rocky situation but like uh what's the what's the female character's name again uh, the female is, is Helen. Helen? Mm-hmm. When she's, like, just waking up after her, like, first, like, experience with the whole, like, uh, mm-hmm. stuff, um, and he's just like, I don't know what it is, but I love you. And he's, like, leaning closer, <laughs> closer and, and, and ever so closer to her face. It's just really uncomfortable. <laughs> It makes me think of uh,
0: King Kong. Say,
1: I guess I love you. I guess I love you. <laughs> That'll be a, the most common, like, hilariously ridiculous thing. And just how, how so. Oh, God, my phone vibrated. Hold on. Give <laughs> your time. Wykey, Alex Wykey just messaged me. I'm going to put, I'm, I'm saying this on air. Okay. Uh, our, our dear friend, Alex Wykey, uh, just messaged me. And I want to say this to you, sir, I love you, but don't message me while I'm podcasting. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, this is definitely staying in.
1: <laughs>
0: Did he at least message you anything but I, interesting?
1: No, it was in the group. <laughs> so it wasn't even to me. I mean, the group chat is
0: fun, but for for podcasts, sometimes I forget to turn off the notifications when I'm doing the show. And, then I'll and it get... just
1: keeps going on. Yeah, but, uh, uh,
0: but shout out to everybody
1: in the group. You are all cool. However, please
0: refrain from doing anything while we're recording. Just How- like, like,
1: I know, I know you don't know what it's happening, but I need you through osmosis to learn when we're recording this podcast <laughs> and not message. Uh, but speaking
0: of uh, more Dracula stuff, uh, Swan Lake. The music plays the beginning of yes. both films.
1: That threw me off, admittedly, cause I was like, because I remembered the Mummy logo, but then I heard Swan Lake, and I am like, wait a minute. Wasn't this in Dracula?
0: <laughs> also, um, as far as... Um, I'm just double-checking this. As far as, like, scripts are concerned, John Balderston wrote the script for this and Dracula, and um, as well as he was involved in Bride of
1: Frankenstein. So, S- so what you're saying is Carl Freund w- was the whole time doing Dracula was going, I could do this better. And I think...
0: Not and this this might be a hot take, but I think that's what he does here. I think this is a slightly a better like I love Lugosi's Dracula. It's a movie I have probably mm. watched like over fifty times. I, I I I love I love even the stupid stuff that's in it, like the like the one guy who's like,
1: oh, he's eating
0: flies now, and he's like the ridiculous like everything in that movie, even the stuff that might not be so good. But I think this is a better. I think this is a movie handled by a more confident director. Because Todd Browning okay. probably wasn't that comfortable with sound. And I think it shows in that movie. This movie, mm. it feels more like... Carl Freund's like, I got this. And I also think another part of that, we gotta give credit to Zita Johan, who plays Helen, and Oxonanen. She, I think, is a, is a pretty good leading lady for this
1: movie. <laughs> she, was, she was my favorite part. Yeah. Like, like... Especially when you when you watch older movies and you just see like the sort of dynamic between male and female characters and you know the, how dated that always is. Like she actually, like had really great charisma and she was actually, she actually like even though she, obviously she was susceptible to so a, a lot of the weird like advances from the male characters, um, <laughs> um, she was like she had backbone.
0: Yeah, she felt like a character which is really good because I think about I think about Mina in Dracula. And there's not much going on with her. It's not the actress's fault. It's just no. not much on the material. Page. Not yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um no, Helen, I mean Zita Johan does a really good job and I think it, it's one of those it, it, it I think it's also one of the big things I think you're right with this movie. Um and
1: again, it's I, a nice it's a nice standout from typical you get from that era.
0: Oh yeah, cuz there's so many there's so many ladies that are that are just the damsel but she at least has there's a little bit more to her um i think about all of the the scenes uh involving magic and i think whatever <laughs> um he
1: has like his little puddle it looks like he's darth vader <laughs> choking somebody from a distance <laughs> that i think that's where they got I, I i imagine that's where they got that from it's just like they go, okay, remember Karloff and the mummy? Do that. Yeah, just
0: do, just do that. Do what he's doing. <laughs> or um, any of those scenes are fun. And uh, the flashback, when it, it talks about Imhotep's past, when it, it talks about Imhotep's past, I think it's a particularly gruesome scene, especially for, like, the 30s. He gets mummified alive.
1: I was, it was like a whole silent film within the movie.
0: Yeah. And it's well shot.
1: Yeah, like, just even the the way that it's edited... Yeah, is kind of edit like like when the characters in in silent films sort of move a bit faster because maybe the frame rate's different. But I also think too
0: with that um, it, it the music that was one thing I was no, n- thinking about with this movie because usually with movies in like the early '30s and early talkies, the music will play if it's a musical or in like the opening and closing credits. But it felt like they had they played around with more music in this one than I remembered, you know, because we. Yeah. You talk about stuff like King Kong being like such an early like the, the score plays a lot of it throughout the movie, but this movie actually has more than what I was expecting because watch Dracula and Frankenstein, there's not much. Nothing. There's not much there.
1: Like the whole the whole ending scene had a score to it. You're just not used to seeing um in that era, again in that era, you know, characters having full dialogue scenes with the music underneath it, which is really sort of, I mean, this day and age, it's commonplace. Like, everybody does it, because you need to, more or less, depending on who the person behind the camera or whoever is. But uh, it was it was just really interesting to kind of see that, because especially as the whole opening of the movie plays off like you would expect it, because there's not a whole hell of a lot of music at that point. Right. But then you get to the, then especially you get to that last scene, when um, Imhotep's trying to do the, the ritual to bring back uh, Anoxanamon, and <clears throat> you get this nice sort of like subtle hum and it's this sort of builds up a little bit it was actually kind of nice
0: and, and, and it works a lot better as a climax than Dracula I feel like there's almost no tension in Dracula it just felt like they just put on a tripod just, and they're just chasing around I mean this movie has a, has a weirdly abrupt thing too but it's not as awkward like Dracula's just feels weird like I guess that's it like this movie feels like it has like a climax going yeah so, which is it's weird to say, like you know, yeah, these are basic things in a movie, but it's like when you compare it to Dracula, which is a movie I love again, but <laughs> there's a lot of stuff lacking in that one.
1: <laughs> you know, we we appreciate it for a lot of other things, but it it's it has its flaws. Oh,
0: but and then you know, on that subject, um, you know, you have again, you have a guy Boris Karloff, whose real name I believe was William Henry like Pratt. Or something playing a guy <laughs> named Imhotep. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's, and also like the Nubian, of course, like, no, played by Noble Johnson, who we've talked about in King Kong, who I think is a really good actor, but again, like, you know, there's not much opportunity for him to to do stuff.
1: Yeah, he, yeah, his, yeah, that whole bit. Yeah.
0: Uh, but I, there's one thing I want to bring up, though. Oh, but actually, with Zita Johan, like, oh, she's part Egyptian. And it's just, like, this Austrian act actress. It's like, I'm I'm one 140th, like, it's like when people say, I'm 140th um, Cherokee. You know, like, when they, people people say stuff like that. That's what that made me think of.
1: Or, like, what was it, Emma Stone in that one movie? Oh, the uh, Aloha,
0: or whatever, like, with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, whatever that movie was called. But um, I also have to bring this up. Two things. One, there was a cat that literally looked like Ron Perlman.
1: There was. Good lord. Like, <laughs> like, like Ron Perlman in his Beauty and the Beast thing he did with Linda Hamilton. Yeah,
0: it looked like that. Yes, and we have to talk about Greg Lugosi <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: I don't. What's the actor's real name?
0: Arthur Byron, who plays uh, Sir Joseph Wimple.
1: Arthur Byron. So this dude shows up early on in the movie, and my first thought was, "Is that is, it, is that like Bela Lugosi's brother?" <laughs> because I thought I thought it was legitimately cuz he looks like him like he's got like the same facial structure the only difference is that he's not um Hungarian he looked like an
0: older Lugosi, like when you when you see him in like things like the wolfman cuz Lugosi did appear in other universal yeah. monster movies
1: or, 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 as you said, um, Martin Landau as Lugosi and Ed Wood. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that was what I thought of. <laughs> like, I, I was like, "Is his name? He, he's got to be his brother, Greg, right?" Greg. Lugosi. <laughs> Greg Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man! But actually, then now that I think about it too, like because Car- I mean, because Dracula and um, Frankenstein were both successful, I'm also thinking about it, too because like, you know, everybody talks about oh, Lugosi could have played the monster, and I'm like. Like Lugosi as the Mummy would have been an interesting like alternate reality um, kind of thing. A what if? A what situation. if? Yeah, what if situation. But beyond that, I think the Mummy is a very it's a very unique film in the Universal canon because a lot of the Universal films they take place in Europe, or some some of them have like you know some American roots too. Obviously, they're all American movies, but this movie takes mm. takes place in Egypt. Uh, so it gives it a very unique, like exotic locale, and of course, I think I think it's a really great performance by um, Karloff. Of course, Karloff mm. is just fantastic, just his line delivery. Because again, he doesn't speak as the Frankenstein monster in that first movie or in Son of Frankenstein, really, as far as I recall. But in this movie, he he's really like Uh
1: He gets full speeches. I am Odith Bay, and you get to, <laughs> and you were talking about it too, like you were thinking
0: about the Grinch. <laughs> when he narrates that
1: movie <laughs> yeah, there's literally a whole bit when he's like narrating his flashback and I'm like I must stop this whole thing <laughs> <laughs> and the mummy's heart shrunk 3 sizes Ooh, three that day sizes. and shriveled <laughs> but uh, I will I will say I probably feel about the same with this one like the like it's it's definitely got a lot that you, that's worth appreciating and Karloff, again, the cinematography, the music, and, you know, some of the other elements like that. Um, uh, Zita, Zita Johan.
0: Zita, Z- yep. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: very much liked her. Um, though, it, it, I think my first thought was, after watching it, going, okay, I see this is why the one that gets remade a lot. Because, like, it, it's... I, I was kind of bored. <laughs> I was trying not to be, I was trying to say something nicer, but you I, I was waiting it. for this.
0: Don't worry. This, I was, expecting yeah. it <laughs>
1: I was, I was admittedly kind of bored watching it. Um, like it just didn't have the same kind of like appeal or, or interest that I would have with some of the other universal monsters. So that kind of bumped me out, but um, it is a fun concept um with some obviously problematic elements in it but uh i it definitely made me go okay i can see why this got remade and then became a successful indiana jones type movie and then they tried to remake it again and you know well we'll talk about that as well i'm sure ah! um <laughs> <laughs> ah! Ah!
0: Uh, w- with that said, uh, we're going to take a, a brief break and head to uh, the Museum of Antiquities. And when we come back, we're going to f- uh, talk about another antiquity, another valued antiquity from the
1: 1990s. Stay tuned. And we'll try not to knock over any books. <laughs> back welcome back to two dudes one double feature in our last segment we talked about the 1932 uh universal monster classic the mummy now we are talking about its remake uh from universal from 1999 the summer blockbuster hit which is a kind of a weird thing to say admittedly but still really cool summer blockbuster hit the mummy (laughs) Surprise! <laughs> I
0: I can't I can't stretch my jaw
1: a bunch because otherwise I would have tried to have done that. I
0: could show you like a really cool
1: pop you want, and that jaw will drop. <laughs> I need to find one.
0: <laughs> Actually, it's funny because I think there is a pop of of that where like for for Imhotep, <laughs> like, the jaw, oh the God, jaw like, is like unhinged,
1: <laughs> like it's just all the way down. Like, Whoa. yeah, we're talking about the Brendan Fraser mummy. This is a very very important movie for us especially
0: it's an important movie for us but also i got to give a shout out to my brother mike
1: this is one of his favorite movies shout out to mike as always i mean anytime we could shout out mike is a good time because mike's great mike is mike is the one that can message in the group chat while we're recording he's one of the few (laughs) he's one of the one of the few uh but no yes the the 1999 mummy movie uh starring brendan Fraser. uh this is a very different movie then, like, it, it's got a lot of the same plot elements, and obviously Imhotep, who was the, the mummy in the original film, uh and this one is played by Arnold Vosloo, I hope I'm saying that name right, and uh they decided to make this one more like a uh, adventure movie, like an Indiana Jones type thing, as opposed, like, it's not a straight horror movie, which... It has, like, there's definitely horror elements and, and, and horror scenes in the movie, but it is ultimately no, no scarier than, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Maybe less scary than Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's
0: one of the big successes of this movie is that it's, while, yes, there are a lot of the same very basic plot elements from the that original 73-minute Mummy movie... It's not the same movie, and I think that's an important thing for with remakes. It makes you think of like I'm thinking about Peach Dragon.
1: How that was so different, yeah.
0: It's so different in in style and, and tone, and that's the big success on why that I think that is a successful remake. Like this movie, it, it's it's not just a horror like romance story. I mean, there there are some of those things in there, but it is it is like an Indiana Jones esque adventure you know you know action adventure film which is what what really is just fun and a lot of that i think it just starts ends, continues because of brendan fraser as uh as rick as as
1: as rick o'connell i think first and foremost if when we're talking about brendan fraser we need to just talk about how much oh it's it's raining hard by the way can you hear that a little bit yeah wow holy cow so maybe this is appropriate i don't know maybe 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 this is one of the 10 plagues of egypt maybe imhotep's coming um, this is uh Im-
0: <laughs> Im- Im- when we, uh, we we might not have pronounced his name correctly so maybe they're
1: they're going after us this is it's, it's me is um uh oh, the, what's the guy's name that plays the egyptologist that's in like everything and i love him so much why am i why am i hi jonathan hyde is it Jonathan yeah. Hyde? um, um as, uh, this is me as, as his as the egyptologist just In the rain going, what have we done? (laughs) But, no, in all seriousness, Brendan Fraser is an absolute treasure. Like, he... Like, many... Like, there's a few actors that I know for me personally I grew up with and admired for their work. And, you know, Robin Williams being one of them. um, Probably Michael Keaton being another one. And Brendan Fraser definitely being one of them. And, um, Mm -hmm. obviously you know he's he's had a lot of rough patches in his life and he's had a lot of you know of really unfortunate things that should never have happened to him and you know unfortunately being a public figure a lot of that comes out in the public eye so we probably know more than we should know about him but it's 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 really it's 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 heartbreaking when you hear of someone that you admire going through this really traumatic stuff, but I cannot be happier to see that, you know, he's working, he's getting some pretty great stuff. He's, he's in that new sudden, no sudden moves that's on HBO max right now. The Steven Soderbergh movie. Uh-huh. Um, he's going to be in a uh, new Darren Aronofsky movie. And I, and I would be, I would, I would hate myself. If I didn't mention this. Doom patrol is one of my favorite shows right now. And he's so good on that show. He's so good. Like he's funny, but he's also very dramatic. And he he plays the character robot man who is essentially like a human brain plugged into like a really crappy robot. And he 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 does an incredible job with it. And it's not just his voice, like he himself shows up in the show. So it's so it's nice that he actually is performing in both capacities. So I just wanted to say I just wanted to say that he's he's an absolute treasure and it was it was really like this movie for many people I'm sure myself included that really cemented that feeling of of admiration for him as a performer and he really is a lot of fun in this movie and he's he, he makes the movie entertaining he makes the movie uh funny because he's very charismatic he's very charming um, he has a lot of great action scenes and, you know, he's always shown he's got great range cause he can be a very great comedic actor and he can be a great dramatic actor like gods and monsters and, uh, uh, George of the jungle, which I, his personal favorite of mine growing up, Yeah, which also got him this role. Um, but Rick O'Connell will always be like my favorite role of his. I think,
0: I think that's true for a lot of people. It might be mine yeah. as well. Like it it's just his whole look is so is so iconic. Um, in like these the movies. hair, the
1: outfit, like everything, just
0: just everything. And like, I think it's one of those cases where he under he really. It's one of those like the you know the meme like oh they definitely understand the yeah. assignment. Like yeah. he totally understood the assignment. Like I think about like the one scene where like the dude roars at him and he's like,
1: it will temp just like screams and he's just like, I, like like that is just
0: it, it's so good I also I, again like Indiana Jones a big comparison like Indiana Jones as a character I think is goofier than people give him credit for like because mm. he makes some facial expressions and does some things where you're just like oh man like he's the whole not snake cool. thing
1: is just funny too
0: it, it's just so funny but like yeah you know Rick O'Connell's a few notches it, more towards <laughs> the more comedic end of things and it, it definitely works it's definitely one of the elements that is like one of the biggest strengths of this movie. Is is definitely like, uh Brendan Fraser, but the rest of the cast Yeah. The rest of the cast is not a slouch either. I think this got a really solid cast of characters.
1: I mean, Rachel Wise, you know, while admittedly while her character Evie does sort of have that damsel in distress element, her character I wouldn't categorize as a damsel in distress. Right. Because she she knows what she's doing. She's capable. She can stand up with the boys. She wants to save the world initially. Whereas Brendan Fraser's like, nah, I'm booking out. Screw that. Yeah. You know, I didn't know this this guy was gonna be coming back to life. And then she's like, and she even takes responsibility. She's like, yeah, I brought him back to life. So now I'm gonna put him back where I found him. Yeah. Like she's the she's the brave one. You know, even if she is a bit of a klutz when she knocks over all the books, which. I wonder if that library ever got put back. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I worry. I wonder about that to this day. Like, is that, does that's maybe it's because I work in, maybe it's because of my personal job, but just like, I always think about like whenever something gets messed up and like, no one does anything about it. And I'm just like, is someone, <laughs> all right, fine. I'll do it. So, <laughs> so it's just it's all it's just so weird to like watch that scene when all the bookshelves collapse and you're like, did that ever go back up? <laughs> maybe it's like I don't know, or maybe it's an OCD thing. I don't know, but no, her Somebody character that <laughs> Jonathan did it. That's the plot twist. Oh, but no, um, she's fantastic, and and her chemistry with everybody, um, not just Rick, which obviously. Th- you know, the whole romantic stuff I think is really good. But also her her chemistry with um her brother Jonathan, who's um, yeah. who, who's the actor that plays him? Um uh John uh John Hannah. He's very good in this. John Hanna is kinda like the comic relief, you know, like the sort of like he's like it's him and uh the guy that plays Benny, who is like a regular in Stephen Summers movies. Yeah. And what's his name? <laughs> it's Kevin o'connor or something kevin something kevin,
0: kevin o'connor as, as benny you know yeah. he, he is a, an amusing character
1: <laughs> i like the part when he's like oh if it ain't my little buddy benny i think i'll kill you think of my children you don't have any children someday i might shut up <laughs> 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 that's probably one of my favorite lines it's just or like even the bit like in that same scene when he's like, so I see what your scheme is. You're going to, you know, lead the Americans and just leave them to die. And he's like, unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were too smart for me. They're going to pay me now and then pay me the rest when I bring them back home. Oh, man. This is a great cast. Again, Jonathan Hyatt as the Egyptologist. He's He was always like that guy that would just randomly show up and stuff in the 90s. You know, like, he was in this and then he showed up in Jumanji as... uh Alan Parrish's father and uh as Van Pelt, the guy that was trying to hunt him. And yes. he's great in that. He was uh he was the he was the butler in Richie Rich. I always remember that as the first movie I ever saw him in. So I'm always like, Hey, it's Richie Rich's butler.
0: you know what's another meme uh that uh, when I think about with this movie is uh Oh, what's your what's your what's your sexuality? Oh, I I, I identify as the cast of the movie because <laughs> there's a lot of really attractive people. I think about Artith
1: Bay, Artith Bay, played by um Oded Oded Fur, I believe I, is the, how you pronounce his name. Maybe, it's,
0: dude, he is so like he might be the
1: hottest person in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like like I'm straight and I am incredibly attracted. I'm to like him. wow, like, <laughs> like like if he came up to me even today, he's like I, I've seen what he looks like even now, uh, in his age. Like if he came up to me and he was like, "So what are you doing later?" I'll be like, um, "Whatever you want to do." Um, uh, I, I got some veggie
0: straws at home and some uh, some, some soda. You, want, you wanna you wanna watch a movie?
1: We, wa- we, we, we can watch a movie or not. Yeah,
0: whatever you want to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> I I just I, I see that meme periodically and
1: I'm like, damn that that's actually so true. <laughs> there's oh my god there's him and i think rick o'connell uh brendan Fraser have so many like great hero shots yeah even even that scene i love the scene when uh, when Arthur bay is uh on the the plane wing and then he circles around and asks him how how he's doing he's just like freaking out (laughs) even that's kind of adorable (laughs) (laughs) and then he gets off the plane and he's just like (laughs) what just happened right
0: (laughs) You know, obviously we said there's like a big like action-adventure you know kind of movie you were talking to me before did we mention this yet yeah, in the episode how there were like other versions that they were that they were like like t- circling it like you just told me this just before we were recording and I never knew that there were this many things like talk about that a bit
1: like the funny thing was and I, I read this on Wikipedia so just take with take this um with that information but I guess when they initially wanted to make remakes or reboots of their Universal movies. They initially wanted to do it like how Lee Lee Whannell did The Invisible Man. Cheap, low-budget horror, which, you know, we've talked about how maybe that would have been the better option to some degree, especially after the 2017 Mummy movie, which tried to be like a big-budget summer blockbuster similar to the Brenner Fraser one. And so they had all these other people involved and they tried to get all these big horror guys like Clive Barker, who's known for Hellraiser and, you know, a whole slew of, you know, stuff that he's worked on. And he made something that was very different than what this movie was. Um, George A Romero, you know, Night of the Living Dead, like the King of Zombie material. Uh, he had a whole plot line planned out, a whole thing, which never happened. Uh, Wes Craven was approached. You know, all all these different people were approached to to make this movie. And then Stephen Summers, who I guess had made... what well, he did that Jungle Book, the first live-action Jungle Book movie. He, yeah, he did
0: the, the 90s, uh, the 1994 Jungle Book remake,
1: yeah. Like, that being, like, probably the only thing that he had to his name, possibly decided to throw his hat in the ring to make this version which was a more, you know, adventure type movie versus like a horror movie. And I guess Universal clicked with it so much that they went from a small budget horror movie to like an 80 million dollar action movie and it paid off. It paid off. This like each each one of the mummy like each
0: one of the mummy movies including the sequels made over 400 million worldwide which is even for like for like early 2000s like late 90s that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a really no. that's a really solid gross for a movie. You know, I also think about two. I don't want to bring this up. There's the ride uh the re- Revenge of the Mummy at Universal that <laughs> is a lot of fun, honestly. It's a great ride. <laughs> like I have I have slight animosity towards it because it replaced um Confrontation at Universal, but you know what? They were able to make a really good ride. So I can't be that put out of, bent out of shape about it
1: right and i hope to experience it one day i haven't been to universal since the 90s oddly enough (laughs) 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 since the days of like nickelodeon studios which i wish i remembered that more because i feel like if i had kept those memories i would have been fun to reminisce on but yeah it is what it is yeah yeah this this one i loved this movie when i was younger like, it was genuinely thrilling. I saw it in theaters, and I had all the toys. You know, I so many Rick O'Connells and mummies. <laughs> like, I, I he had the sword, and he always had the gun in his holster, and he was always ready to fight. This this was a big one um, for me growing up. And a- almost more so, like, because like, we talk about Van Helsing a lot as well, which is also Steven Summers. Um, horror action movie and how we both have love and nostalgia for it even though we probably would both admit it's not it's not perfect movies
0: van helsing is probably just one of my favorite movies period. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a it's a big
0: deal and i hope to talk about it on the show someday it, that'll that'll happen honestly
1: if it, i'm surprised it hasn't already yeah me too i'm surprised but... it wasn't like episode five <laughs> <laughs> i think we were playing it safe but now now we're at this point where like we don't care, especially with with whatever the next episode's going to be. Spoiler oh, alert! Gosh. Well, tease. We, we don't, like, but, like <laughs> we,
0: we would say that we make the show for us, but this the next next week's episode. I will know who that episode's for. I don't even know <laughs> we're making it for us, man.
1: <laughs> it's so you'll see, you'll see. Yeah, uh, but but I would definitely say this one was was probably a lot bigger for me. Mm-hmm. I think just growing up um because of just how fun it was and i also watched this before i even ever watched an indiana jones movie oh wow so in a lot of ways i grew up more with rick o'connell than i did with henry jones see for me it
0: was it was like the opposite like like when i was younger i did not care for this movie i don't know what what it was exactly i think part of it like, like the scare like any scenes with like the bugs just really unsettled me. I think about the, the scenes, Oh, the scarabs, the scarabs. <laughs> I think about when the, and this is, we're going to talk about the special effects I imagine soon, but one of the, like something that's really unsettling is when like, Immotep's like, like reforming his body. There's still like, he looks mostly formed, but there's still some holes in his face and like his neck. Yeah. You see like the scarab, cr- those crawling, you know, crawling in and out of his face. And that, that's a genuinely like unsettling image that I think is, is, is pretty good.
1: Or like when, um, the one, uh, prison warden dude the smelly guy yeah <laughs> where'd our smelly little friend get to um <laughs> when the scarab goes into his foot yeah that always like I, I that that i i i mean i don't like bugs in general but that really like that really got me just like it like going through his skin yeah that bothered me and, too. Like, yeah and like the one time he tries to catch it it just happens to go into his chest and so it's like there's enough flesh there for him not to be able to reach it, and then it goes further into his neck and then into his brain. Oh, man. The scarabs are probably the like the most terrifying part of that movie, yeah. admittedly. Mm. Did we mention
0: Jerry Goldsmith?
1: No, but we should. We should. Because le- that score, though.
0: Legendary, legendary composer Jerry Goldsmith. Um, so many things, honestly. It's kind of crazy. Like You think about, you know, he did this, but... Almost 30 years earlier, he did *Planet of the Apes*, and was nominated for an Oscar, of the Apes. Oscar for that. And if I'm not mistaken, um, you you went on this ride in Disney. He did this the music for *Soren*. That makes sense. So it, it that was that was good music. It, so. it, it's yeah, it's really beautiful, beautiful piece of music, and really just long, hell of a career, um, hell of a career for Mr. Goldsmith.
1: And didn't he he did the fan like the Universal fanfare, like from like the night like from the 97 version on. So like
0: oh I guess I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I saw that I I saw that in his bio and I'm like I guess it's appropriate given that you know it's a universal movie and so like when you hear da 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 like that's him. Right. Wow. So wow. that's cool. So I mean I don't know what the score was like before 97 well, cuz there was there was an older version that
0: sounded sem- like when you get to like the wolfman and it was like ba bum ba bum ba
1: bum
0: ba ba bum ba bum, and it's it kind it, it has it's it feels like there's like a link there between those two, and I'm like okay. oh is that where th-? I'm like that's interesting though I never knew that that's pretty cool
1: yeah it's uh, I, I le- quick reads on Wikipedia made me want to learn more about this guy admittedly because so, like I I recognize his name because he also did Small Soldiers which is a movie I grew up with yeah and. Which makes sense. Joe Dante. Um, but, like, again, he did uh, Gremlins, I saw. Wow. Planet of the Apes. Um, he did... Hold on, let me let me just pull this up. Did he do Alien? There. I feel like he did Alien. He worked with Ridley Scott before, so I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking... I'm on... Um...
1: He did Star Trek. Like, that was a famous one of his. Logan's Run. Planet of the Apes. Chinatown. Poltergeist. Gremlins. Total Recall, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it says on here a controversially edited score for Alien. So that could be it. He did The Omen. He did, um, uh, which he was, which he was nominated. No, he won Best Original Score for The Omen at the Oscars. Wow. So okay. So no, yeah this this guy career like amazing career, and he did Mulan. Wow!
0: Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. That's really like we cool. The, the ninety, yeah, the animated Mulan. That's really um, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're you're learning stuff with us, folks.
0: Uh, beyond that, let's talk about. I wanted to talk about this. Um, I know it's a note you put down in our notes. Um, the special effects, because we briefly mentioned because them.
1: this is a summer blockbuster, and especially um, in this in this type of film you see a lot of filmmakers that want to drive special effects, heavy type movies, you know, especially in the nineties, Steven Spielberg with Jurassic park really opened that door for a lot of people. Casper, I would imagine also opened that door for a lot of people saying, you know, this is, this is something worth trying out. So like Steven Summers, yes, let's, let's do special effects. Let's, let's, let's go crazy with it. Um, which maybe wasn't the best idea, but Uh, he really wanted it to have, like, the mummy look a certain way, and obviously, you know, there's some technology that's just not there yet to make him look that way and make it look perfect, if it's, like, a guy in a suit, even. Um, but he wanted, like, this, like, the jaw to be a certain way, and, like, there's only so many bandages, and, like, there's a big old dent in his head, and, like, half his face is missing, and so, like... Essentially, what I'm saying is like the mummy character before he becomes Arnold Vosloo was CGI, pretty much the entire time, and so it it's again it's one of those typical things you see with a lot of summer blockbusters. And so, like when I'm a kid, and I and I saw this movie, when I was a kid, and I saw this movie, like obviously I, I make no mind of it. I'm like, oh, it's a mummy, but I watch it now and I'm like, ooh. um it's it's i would argue like for all the times we've talked about special effects on this show and how great some of the special effects we've seen on this show are um this is probably not i would argue the best example
0: yeah i think that there was a i
1: guess i I said before there's
0: a lot of ambitious stuff they feel like they're trying to do with this movie and it cost 80 million dollars to make um the movie, but I feel like, and I think part of it was, I think there's a lot of stuff they do in the broad daylight. That's a
1: that's a big, yeah,
0: you know, and that that can be that can be tricky. I mean, I, I'm still able to watch the movie myself, but I'm also, again, I'm somebody who's maybe more forgiving of that kind of stuff because, again, like my favorite movie of all time is King Kong, and you know, you know, it's an 18 inch like model made out of metal and rabbit fur, but. A kid watching this today, are they going to have the same reaction watching The Mummy? I imagine no, because they're used to, they're used to seeing a talking raccoon on screen and, and a talking tree voiced by a guy who spouts on and on about family in other movies, you know, we are family. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, there's so many things in special, Like I mean, we have a giant purple grimace man who, you know, threatened the whole universe in those Avengers movies, we're able to believe that as a character. Um, You know, special effects have come a long. I mean, that movie—it's—it's it's crazy to think that 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 the Mummy was over twenty years ago.
1: Yeah, we're old.
0: We're we're <laughs> we're you know, I, I I like to think we're we are young at heart. We are old souls, maybe. You know, I mean,
1: physically, I mean. we're old. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I did pull out two gray hairs recently which was a really weird experience. Though I've had gray hairs before just from, like, stress. But they were very prominent. So maybe it was stress. I don't know. Because nothing else is really gray. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs>
0: what p- Point being, like, you know, and I also think about, too, like, when they, they're doing the whole, like, cityscapes in Egypt uh, towards the beginning of the movie when they're doing, like, the flashback stuff um, with Imhotep. And I'm like, yep, that's CG, but you know, again, it's, it's times. They're able, and I don't, you know, again, it doesn't bother, I I know it's there, but it doesn't bother me so much where it takes me completely out of the movie. it,
1: It doesn't take you out of the movie. It's just noticeable. Yeah, you know, like I'm still I'm still enjoying the movie. I still am liking the mummy, like doing like the the jaw thing and going into the sand and just roar. like the cat stuff is always funny. Like, look what I got. <laughs> yes. <gasps> <laughs> um, though I would almost argue the the times that it, it it was the worst for me was when it was just Arnold Vosloo and then like CGI was on his face because like there were times it just maybe wasn't aligned properly and it just like the whole bug thing that we were talking about earlier going from like one neck hole to his cheek um like that like when he wasn't moving it it worked. But when he was moving it sort of was like noticeable.
0: Yeah you can kind of you can kind of tell I you know what I think about other like early spe- like early two thousand special effects where, you know, Legolas is like surfing <laughs> in Return of the yeah. King. And there's that that, that awkward jump you know, and there's not much you could do about it. It's, it's just, that's just what it was yeah, back then. it is
1: what it is. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's there. And I also just want to bring this up too, because we brought up like semi-problematic elements in the the last one. I mean, you could talk about the casting of, of people and, and, and all that for here till the cows come home. But I think one thing that does not get brought up so often that I didn't think about till the Tom Cruise mummy came out was the actual like process of mummification, mm. you know, having that is almost like a weird exotic thing for audiences to see and having that uh, be used as a plot device in a movie can be, you know, and that's maybe why, and I never thought about it like that until I was watching that, the one uh, review for the movie where it's like, Oh, that's why in the new mummy, they don't have it really take place too much in Egypt. It's like, this is like a weird burial that happens in Iraq or, or, what, or, or whatever, and it's it's they have it like go like fifty extra steps just to try to make it less of an issue. Yeah, you know. So I, that that's just something I wanted to bring bring. No, up.
1: I mean, I'll be completely honest. I don't know much about that, uh, but I definitely, I mean, I know I know of it, but I don't I don't know too much about that. But I think it is worth being brought up, just because you know it is such a prominent thing in like every mummy movie. You know, because again, the, the 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 term mummy, you know, like to some degree, you probably need some form of mummification, and because of you know who it's targeted towards, and you know, and everything, it's just the way they portray it. You know, yeah. <laughs> and we're not trying to take away anybody's enjoyment because we bo- enjoy both yeah. of these. You know, we
0: enjoy, enjoy that. It, it's just it is something to think about um, when um, when thinking about. Uh, these kinds of movies, but, and it also just watching these, it just reminds me how much, how, how bad that, that 2017 mummy is mm. just as a, movie. and it was a
1: nice, it was a nice reminder why we loved Brendan Fraser as much as we did. Yeah. <laughs> like, <in all> honesty. <laughs> Which is funny. Cause like, I guess Tom Cruise was approached to play Rick O'Connell at one point. So it's just like, it's just kind of weird to think years later. And I'll admit I was, per- I was very much excited to see it. Because I wanted, I, I liked the whole concept of the whole cinematic universe applied to the Universal monsters, and wanting to see how that played out. But that movie,
0: I saw that in theaters opening weekend with my mom. Um, yeah, yeah, you know she didn't she didn't hate it, but it, but then what was it Jake Johnson was basically like
1: the one dude from Jack? Yeah, fr- from <laughs> he was like it
0: was like from America Werewolf. <laughs> that that was and then um the famous line that i i quote sometimes uh from russell crowe you are a younger man <laughs> which is funny because apparently tom cruise is older than russell crowe <laughs> but it's like <laughs> but also oddly enough i'm able to believe that tom cruise is younger because he looks like, younger like i don't here's, know <laughs> here's the
1: tom cruise is in his late 50s i think he's verging on 60, and yet he, he, he tries his damnedest to look 42. I believe if he would... Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> like, know? the only time the illusion was ever thrown off was when I watched Fallout, and he had a bit of a scruff, and some of his scruff was grey. Yeah. And I'm sure he was pissed when he found that out. <laughs> like like goddamn i need to shave this <laughs> no <laughs> but you know i can't cuz again i like i said i pulled out two gray hairs recently so i can't speak for that but <laughs> listen
0: yeah but i think i think with with any with these the, the mummy it just feels like the mummy has been the most successful as far as like trying to reuse it as like a franchise from a franchise standpoint and i think the old, the big lesson here is like you know, when you have, like, the same basic story, there are just a lot of ways to tell it. I mean, whether it's sort of a a, a riff... Not, I don't know about riff, but, like, a, a sort of a reimagining of Dracula, you know, or having it as, like, an Indiana Jones-esque, you know, action-adventure film.
1: There's a lot of people have a lot of different perspectives, especially with the changing of time. I mean, we talked about with the Invisible Man movies and how different those are, just with the first one being you know, the, like having the science fiction elements, but being more like horror driven and having the character be like, sort of like a, ha ha like that kind of, you know, cackling villain type character. And then with the, the remake, having more of a modern context with like, you know, all these, you know, with all the stories of harassment and everything coming out and, you know, making really a story of that with the science fiction elements. Um, and then with this you know it kind of, like you you watch this movie and you and you go I get why Steven Summers did it this way because it it makes sense to approach it this way
0: yeah i i agree um for sure and then it got two sequels yeah.
1: like that, i mean you know
0: that that's a pretty good pretty good indication of success and and it's still this first movie is for, it's still like a beloved movie of you know of millennials and you
1: know people our age people younger than Yeah, people our age old (laughs) Sorry I don't know man. Uh, I'm just I'm just working on this show. (laughs) But no. Um this was this is a great movie. It's just really entertaining. even with some of the problematic stuff. Like not even just the Egypt stuff, just I think it should be mentioned that Rick O'Connell just tried to get Evie drunk at one point. And that was kind of uncomfortable to watch that scene. Yeah, it's a little weird. I mean, at least, like, nothing happened, necessarily, but the fact that he tried is kind of... You know, yeah, it's a little, a little, sus- a little, a little mm-hmm. suspicious there. Um, but I did love her declaration, like, I may not be an explorer or a treasure seeker, an adventurer a gunfighter, but I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I am a librarian. (laughs) There you go. That's the ultimate goal of this movie is, you know, librarians are amazing.
0: Yes. Uh, Support your public library, folks. Anyway, I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. What did you think of these movies? Do you like the mummies? What's your favorite mummy? Do you like any of the sequels? Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. uh, And uh, I think that is it
1: check us out next week have a good night everyone. thank you for listening to two dudes one double feature please follow us on instagram facebook and twitter special shout out as always to john and kenny armstrong you two are geniuses thank you so much again sirs and i'd have a hint for you guys but i i don't i just i really really regret the next episode i'm so sorry but uh hopefully you guys enjoy it either way anyway good night